you. Can I just have you guys honor your pastors, Julian and Sharon, this morning? I am blown away. This house is a house of faith and passion, and you guys are alive. There are many churches you go to that are not so alive and awake. And so I just want to thank you for loving Jesus like you do, but thank you for leading the charge like you do. I honor you and love you, and thank you for having us. Amen. You guys can be seated. And thank you very much. You are amazing. The team was good. There was this little boy, though, right there in the middle who was playing. The, I was like, this kid can actually play the drums. Like, I was like, he's like, mm, yes. He was feeling it. I was like, this guy's a little prophet. He was sitting right here in the middle. Do you know who I'm talking about? I, he's not there anymore. I don't think his parents are there either. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? Where are his parents or family? Do you know? They're not in here. They're taking him to kids, right? But I've got to tell, like, that kid is a prophet. He is, like, ready to bring the prophet drumming and he is ready to go I was like put him up <laughs> it was awesome me and my son my son him he's like look at this kid and then I was like staring at him I was like oh I should probably worship Jesus myself maybe um it is so good to be with you guys I heard my my husband was here a couple weeks ago did you love him I love him too and uh, I don't know do we have a family picture because it's okay if you don't have one <gasps> there see we brought our whole family everybody's here today and you guys uh, we have been staying up like the kids have been staying up to like 11 o'clock at night and then waking up at 10 in the morning so this morning when we're like get up it's time to go to church at 7 a.m. they're like Oh, like they, they're, we're really truly on vacation, on sabbatical. So um, I've got my two sons. Can my two sons stand up for a moment that are in here? My eldest sons. Go ahead. So uh, that's the tall one who's very tall now. His name is Ezekiel Benjamin, and he is amazing. And Jesse Freedom is my second son. And then my one and only daughter, Finley Grace, and uh, our youngest son, Samuel. And we always laugh because the first three were born in uh, Australia, but Sam was born in America. And doesn't Sam look like an American? (laughs) Like, he's like, yeah, look at me, I'm American. So, um... Yeah, and you got to have my amazing husband, so you already know him. But I just want to thank you uh, for having me this morning. And I'm really looking forward to bringing the word. I'm going to pray in a moment uh, over this time because I really want to allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in the time that we have together. I am finding it really hard to sleep because I I just, you know when you go to sleep at night and the Holy Spirit's just speaking to you? It doesn't always happen, by the way. (laughs) Sometimes I sleep very well. I'm like, Lord, please don't speak to me. I'm tired. But, um, but I've had the, a couple of days where God's just igniting something. And so I was praying over you uh, last night. Woke up this morning, was doing ironing and praying and couldn't sleep. And so I'm really looking forward to what God wants to do. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your people that we gather together. And I I love that as we gather, we lift you up, we glorify you. But in the gathering, there is equipping so that we can go out and be the saints that will do the work of the ministry in our spheres of influence. I thank you for every person sitting in this room. Holy Spirit, would you lead my every word? Would you take my every thought and would you direct it so that you could speak to every heart and mind in this place? This is your house. This is your home. 
home. And I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word this morning, but we would be doers of the word. That we wouldn't just come and receive, we would come receive and then give and pour out and allow your word to germinate in our hearts and bring transformation. So have your way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk about something that is is kind of simple and complicated all at the same time. How many of you know that some of the most simple truths are very complicated to live? Anyone? And you know, if you're taking notes this morning, this message is simply called Matters of the Heart. But how how many of us know that our heart, the issues of our heart, are always speaking to us if we are paying attention? Our heart is always manifesting what is going on inside of it in multiple ways if we are paying attention. We have all heard the scripture, Proverbs 4.23, or maybe this is a new scripture to you, but Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, guard your heart above everything else. Guard your heart above all else. Now, when we hear that, we're like, yeah, guard your heart above all else, blah, blah, blah. Let's memorize this scripture. No, guard your heart above all else. Does anybody else, when they read the word of God, go, why God? Why above everything else? Why is this the most important thing we have to do? Can you please tell that? Can you please break that down for me? Holy Spirit, speak to me. We need to be people that don't just read the word, but ask the Holy Spirit, can you tell me why this matters so much? Why? Well, what's amazing is it also does tell us because it determines the course of your life. It determines the way that you view things. It determines what manifests in your life. It determines the flow and the course of your life. Now, look, it doesn't mean that the circumstances of your life, they, that you may be sitting here this morning going, the circumstances of my life aren't great. And my heart, I feel like, is in a good place, but I'm really mad about the situation I find myself in. I'm really mad that this is going on in my life right now. I've been guarding my heart and protecting my heart, so this doesn't work. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that when you go through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, if you learn how to guard your heart above all else, the way that you will see life, the way that you will view life, the way that you will understand that God is good. I have seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. No matter what I have gone through, I trust you. I lean into you. It all has to do with the way that you guard your heart. Now, here's the deal. We get very good at protecting our own heart at putting up shields, at uh, making sure that we are surrounded so that nobody can hurt our heart, don't we? We are born to be loved and to give love. We are born to be loved and to give love. But all of us know that we have walked through situations and seasons, whether it was with our parents or with a loved one or with a spouse or with a friend or with someone, a coworker that broke trust. We began to trust. We're like, oh, I'm going to love this person. I'm going to hand over my love. I'm going to trust. And then that trust gets broken and our heart gets broken. And we're going, wait, did I do this wrong? Did I guard my heart wrong? But then what we start to do is we start to put up different defenses around ourselves so that our heart will never get hurt again. We misunderstand what guarding your heart means. See, the Lord is the one who sets guard over our heart. We allow the Holy Spirit to guard our heart. And I was very good at protecting my own heart. 
See, the truth is, is there was so much pain that I walked through. And, you know, I don't totally have time to walk through the whole scenario of my life. But needless to say, there was a lot that went on. I grew up in a very controlling church environment. It was actually considered a cult, what I grew up in. So me understanding God was very, very confusing. I had a lot of fear around God, a lot of fear around man. And there was abuse when I was younger. And then I just decided, you know what? I can't trust anybody. I wish my dad would pay attention to me, but he was so broken from the cult that he didn't even know how to be there for me. And my relationship with my mom was so messy that I was like her emotional mother. Now, here's the deal. My parents both give me permission to say these things, just so you know. Are you the prophetic drummer's father? You, in the gray, right here? Yeah. Do you have a little boy that loves to sit there? He's a prophet, your son. He's amazing. I'm sorry, I totally saw you and I was like, I have to just tell you that. Um, these things may happen throughout the message, okay? I'm just letting you know, we'll come back. Okay, back to center. My parents actually do let me tell those stories. Why? Because my relationship with my parents is completely and totally redeemed. Our whole family, it's, it's the most magnificent, beautiful story. And the truth is, at 19 years old, I walked into a church. Anybody remember the song? I could sing of your love forever. I mean, these guys are from your country, so I mean... I walked in, and that also tells you how old I am, because it was like totally in the late 90s. <laughs> and I walked into the church, and I remember I was looking for love like this. My, my father, again, was so broken, he couldn't be there for me, so I went to every other man that I could possibly find to find love. And it just broke me down. There was no true love. I was looking for this void in my heart to be filled. And so I remember walking into a church that my parents had pulled out of the cult and said, you're coming to church with us, and I was really mad at them for making me go, but then when I walked in, I I was like, like I was overwhelmed. The goodness of God, the love of God. And I remember when they're like, hey, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Just raise your hand. And I awkwardly ran to the front. I was one of those people. They're like, that's not what we said, but okay. Um, but I was like, but I want this. This is what I've been looking for. Like I was so desperate. And everything changed. My heart was made new. But how much do we know that there's this beautiful period of time where we're like running around as we're like, oh, I just found Jesus. And we're so happy. We can't believe how good he is. And then there comes this season where he starts pressing buttons. He's like, you ready to deal with that issue of your heart? You're like, well, no. <laughs> I thought like everything was like good. He's like, no, there's some mess in there. We need to clean up the garden of your heart so that the right things grow. And so, so I think about the fact that there are many things now where if we're paying attention, our heart is always manifesting, it's always speaking. I mean, does anybody else hate it when people talk during movies or television? Does anybody else's control issues really come up at that time? There are people looking at each other, they're like, you, you know, it's happening. Well, even in my own house, like if people start talking or they come in and they verbally process during a show, I like pause and look at them. Are you done yet? 
Not you, though. You would never do that, right, Jess? <laughs> he doesn't, actually. Um, <laughs> but so the awkward moments where I'm like, or in movie theaters, even just a couple of weeks ago in the Odeon, there was these kids running around, and my boys were watching the movie. I was like, I'll be right back. I mommed those kids. I walked over. I was like, what are you doing? Like, they're throwing popcorn at each other. Sit down. And then they're like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fine, I'll go get the manager. They're like, no, no. I was like, I'm getting the manager. Because um, I pay to go and watch a movie, not throw popcorn in a movie. Anyway, um, their parents paid, so that's probably why they were doing it. Um, all that to say, those are the funny ways our issues come out, right? Control issues. But what about the serious moments in our lives where we realize that we're actually breaking relationship with the people that we love the most? Where we realize that we are protecting ourselves, whether that is through control or anger. <laughs> I mean, man, my husband is such an amazing man. And he has been so steady and loving and strong for me over the last 17 years that we have been married. Because I have not been the easiest woman to love. You know, when you walk into a marriage, I walked in with plenty of issues, and you know, so did he. He wasn't perfect. But one thing that he has shown me is how much God loves me through his steady love for me. Even when I would unleash on him, he wouldn't go anywhere. And I didn't know what to do with that. But you know, I, have you ever heard the saying that when you get married, you realize how selfish you are? Anyone heard that? But then when you have children, you realize how angry you are? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I realized definitely when I got married, I was like, oh, you're always here. And I have to like lay down my life. Like we just serve each other. Like great marriage. It's so wonderful. It's like, oh, I want to get married. I'm like, do you though? Because you get to lay your life down. So, um, so having children though, you guys, my first three kids, I had three kids under the age of three. Anybody else do that? Where you're like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I'm a mother of a lot of kids. And people would say horrible things like, do you know what a television is? And we're like, you shut your mouth, we do. So anyway, I have these three beautiful kids under the age of three. But then the Lord starts to deal with my heart issues from my upbringing. And we're walking through a difficult season in our own personal lives. And I have these beautiful kids. And look, I had such issues of control that I had to mop the house perfectly before I would go to sleep at night. The chairs all had to be in their perfect place. The pillows on the couch needed to be where they were. And if you sat on that couch and moved those pillows, I might kill you. And then the toys in the toy room needed to be lined up so perfectly that nobody would touch them. Now look, you have a fourth child and then it's all over. You can't manage this. So I think the Lord knew what he was doing. But I had such control issues. Why? Because I needed the outside to be perfect because it was such a mess on the inside. And so I realized when <laughs> my beautiful little boy, and I asked him, he's not so little anymore. He's like a foot taller than me. But I always ask and honor Zeke to see if I can tell this story because he was three years old. And I was going through this time where rage and anger was another way I protected myself. I protected myself with control, with anger. And, you know, it was one of those mornings where I was tired. I had had one of those down weeks where I was dealing even with postpartum depression. I mean, man, it was like all happening. And my husband's making coffee and Zeke had finished eating breakfast and he took the Legos and he dumped them out in my perfectly clean toy room. And the sound, though, of the Legos being dumped out caused me almost to black out and fly off into this rage where I don't remember what I said to that little boy except I broke him down. Three years old. 
and he looks so afraid of me. And I remember my husband turning around to give me one look, and he's like, you go upstairs to the room. He sent me to the room, you guys. <laughs> this is also a reason why I needed to marry this man. <laughs> Where he's like, get out now. Go to Jesus, because we can't help you. Um, <laughs> but for real. He's like, I am not the Lord. <laughs> so... I went upstairs, but it was one of those moments where I just was sobbing on my bed, angry, afraid, going, I'm damaging the relationships of my children and my husband, and I am breaking everything down all to try to protect my own heart. And he's like, yeah, that's right. And you're going to need to break those walls down and let me in so that I can be your shelter and your strong tower so I can be your redeemer and your healer. And it was like I went on this journey and began to understand that I needed to let him into the messiest spaces of my life. And one of the hardest moments of that was that I went back downstairs and Ezekiel had cleaned up the Legos. And I walked down, and he goes, look, look, mommy. He was so proud, because he cleaned it all up. Look, mommy, I cleaned up the Legos. And I remember getting down on my knees, eye to eye with that little boy, in all of my strength, trying to not bawl my eyes out. And I looked at him, and I said, oh, baby, no, you didn't need to clean up the toys. We can play with the toys, but will you please forgive mommy? And he goes, yeah, of course. Like, and I'm like, why are kids so awesome? You're like, I am a horrible person, and your love is bringing healing, your redemption. Your, this is why faith like a child is so powerful. And you know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me? He said, Andy, if you don't deal with the matters on the issues of your heart, that little boy will grow up to be a young man who tries to clean up your messes for the rest of his life and your life. And this is what I realized, you guys. I have this healthy fear of the Lord that one day I will breathe my last breath and I will stand before God and I can blame my mom and dad. I can blame the abuse. I can blame the cult. I can blame the backstabbers. I can blame the haters. I can blame all the pain and the trial that I went through. But the Lord will ask me, yes, but did you learn to love? What did you do with your heart? You are responsible for your heart the matters of your heart. And I have continuously, continuously gone on a journey to allow the Lord to transform my heart. Even just a couple of months ago, I'm in this big transition. Who loves transition? Bring on the change, it's my favorite. No, I hate it. <laughs> and I was whining and complaining, having one of those like, you know, I love the Psalms because they start with like the wrestle and the angst and the this. But they always end with praise. Well, I was not praising anyone or anything. I was like, why God, why me, poor me, life is so hard. Meanwhile, I'm literally laying in the middle of answered prayer, which is this home that God has given us. He's like, <laughs> you're so grateful. No, um, so I'm laying there and I hear the spirit of God remind me of one of the first scriptures I ever memorized, Psalm 1914. He just whispered to me, hey, may the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I was like, are they? Are they pleasing to you right now? <laughs> and it was kind of like, you know, a loving father was like, mm-mm, pull it together. Like, you know, no, we need to go on a journey. And I felt like the Lord said to me, Andy, I don't want you to just memorize this scripture. I need you to live this scripture. And that's the difference, is we can know these scriptures, but unless we live them and activate them in our lives, what is the point? 
So in the time we have left, very quickly, I actually want to give you something out of this very scripture here that you can activate in your everyday life to actually test the place that your heart is in, to see where you are at. And you will begin to see that as you check this scripture and activate this scripture and begin to live it, that things are going to begin to change the way you see, the way you speak, the way you think, what God, what you meditate on in your heart, what you begin to create in your world around you will change. So the first thing I want you to do, this is your homework, if you will, or your soul work or your heart work or whatever you want to call it. Because if you hate homework, you're like, I'm not listening to her anymore. Number one is you've got to ask yourself this question. What is the meditation of my heart? What is the meditation of my heart? Am I even paying attention? Or am I just going through life, cutting people's heads off, yelling at them, and then walking into church and being like, praise the Lord, I've got it all together, and I look good this morning, even though I screamed at everyone and cut everybody's heads off and scared everyone in my own house. But here I am at the church. Hallelujah. Right? Why is this so quiet? Is this what happened this morning for everyone? So (laughs) the truth is, the way we can pay attention to the meditation of our heart is this. It's very simple. You've just got to pay attention to what you are repeating or dwelling on. What are you repeating or dwelling on? Oftentimes this happens while you're falling asleep at night. What are you thinking about? What are you repeating or dwelling on over and over and over again? Maybe it was that conversation with your spouse where you apologized to each other and he actually meant it, but you didn't maybe. And (laughs) this has never happened to me. And as you (laughs) are falling asleep, they're already snoring and sleeping and you're angry and stewing and thinking about the conversation and what you want to say in the morning. And then you wake up in the morning and that spouse, that very nice spouse brings you a cup of coffee and is like, how are you? And you're like, I'm fine. They're like, like, are you really? No, the meditation of my heart was horrendous the night before. I fell asleep angry and I woke up angry. I need some Jesus in my life. Pay attention to the meditation of your heart. Maybe while you're driving, it's that conversation that you had with your boss or that that outcome that you're worried about because of what the doctor said. Or maybe you're thinking of disastrous outcomes and you're playing out this whole thing that is going to happen when you meet that person or talk to that person or don't get into that school or don't get that job or maybe get that job. And so you are creating this world and this meditation in your heart that is beginning to shape the way you view things because there is not a guard set over your heart. What are you meditating on? What are you dwelling on? In the good times, in the bad times, what about when you're going through trial? Who loves trial? Raise your hand. It's my favorite season. No. But this is why when someone gives you, I have a word for you, it's James 1, you're like, get away from me. Like, get away. But there is so much power in what this scripture says. Think about the meditation of your heart when you walk through trial or hard things. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. See, first of all, it's like, why is that even in there? <laughs> what, like, but you will face trial, and there's many kinds. Not just one kind, there will be many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith, I'm sorry, time out. You mean we don't just turn from our ways and follow Jesus and everything goes beautifully? No, you get to sit a test over and over and over again to test your heart, to test what you believe, to test if you think that this God is as good as he says he is. No matter what you face, no matter what you see, your heart will be tested in and through every season of your life. 
Ah, oh, so the testing of your faith. I hate tests. Like, I avoid them like the plague, you guys. Anybody else? Like, I don't have my driver's license right now because I don't want to take the test where they judge me. <laughs> I had it in high school, and then I moved to Australia, got my Australian license, moved back to New York, don't need it in New York, but my son is going to have his license soon, so I have to beat him. So, um... <laughs> The testing of your faith, what does it do though? It produces perseverance. Oh, and perseverance is what? It's a choice. I choose to persevere even though I don't want to. I choose to count the cost and pay the price one more time even though I know that the cost is great and I know what this means and I know what I'm stepping into. So I will choose to persevere. I will show up. I will worship God even when I don't feel like it. I will keep giving my life to you even though there are days where I just want to be done. I will persevere. I persevere. But what does perseverance do? It actually has a work that it's doing in you. It finishes its work so that you can be what? Mature and complete, lacking no good thing. See, a lot of times when we lack maturity in certain areas of our life, we're looking for something else, someone else to fill that void. And the Lord is like, would you just come to me? I will make you mature. I will complete you, but you have to continue to show up. Amen. Yep. Amen. You know, I, I do think it's interesting. We're having this conversation. Uh, my husband and I, a couple of friends, we were talking about the church. There's the Western church and then there's the church in other nations and it's, it's exploding. I don't know what news you're hearing, but my husband's telling me all of these reports of churches that are just multiplying and how many millions are coming to the Lord. And we hear these negative reports all the time. And I think too, even in our Western Christianity, it's because we've believed that if everything is perfect, then we're being good Christians. Any, anyone else? Yeah. You're like, but I, why am I going through a hard time? Am I not a good Christian? No, we get to choose how our heart sees. We get to choose to set a guard and run into the presence of God so that he can keep our hearts tender no matter what season we want run through. And then there will be fruit. And in our Western culture, it does not matter what comes our way. We will follow Jesus. We will glorify him. And so we got to stop looking for ease all the time. Sometimes there will be seasons of ease. Who loves those seasons? You're like, bring it on, stay, never leave, please. And then there are other seasons that we walk through, but we persevere. And you know, I remember, before I go on to the next two, there's just one thing I want to say is, I remember when I was laying there whining and complaining and the Lord gave me Psalm 1914. He says these really deep words to me. Are you ready for the deep words? <laughs> They're not that deep, but he says, hey, Andy, the truth is, if you're digging through the trash, you're going to find trash. He said, but if you're digging for treasure, you're going to find treasure. And I think what we've got to understand when it comes to the meditation of our heart, if we're digging through the trash of our own life and our mistakes, that's easy. Anybody? Then you go into the negative spiral. If we're digging through the trash of our spouse's life or our children's life or our pastor's life or our friend's life, it's very easy to find trash. But if you begin to be a person who digs in the treasure of the word of God, you will begin to see correctly. And then you dig for treasure in your husband and your children and you remind them who they are. And you dig for treasure in others. You begin to prophesy truth and things change. But it all depends on what we meditate on right here. 
Why? Because number two, we got to pay attention to the meditation of our heart, but we also have got to ask the question, what are the words of my mouth? If you, if you aren't able to go, gosh, I'm not sure what the meditation of my heart is, well, just check the words of your mouth, because often we know that the mouth and the heart, they are connected. Whatever is going on in here will come out of here, and these words have creative power. I was sitting across the table from this little boy who was seven years old, and his mom has a brain tumor right here. And he has two other siblings, and they have decided in their household they will speak no negative words. Why? Because life and death are actually in the power of the tongue. And so what ends up happening is if they started to speak negativity and death, they could bring death, but they're like, why not just speak life no matter what? Prophesy life, prophesy this tumor be gone, prophesy a creative miracle. So I'm sitting across this little boy and I knock over the salt and I jokingly say, I'm such an idiot. And he goes, no, you're not, that's not who you are. And I was like, wow, that is correct. I am not, I'm amazing, I'm smart. But you know what, the truth is I learned something in that moment, we very easily speak death. We very easily prophesy the negative over our lives. Now, I'm not telling you to not look at what is actually happening in your life. I'm not telling you to ignore. Do you know what prophecy is? It's got, I mean, it's more than this. But the being prophetic is to look at the reality of what you see and then go, God, what do you see? What do you say? What is the kingdom of heaven that we can bring into this situation? And then you begin to speak the kingdom of heaven into your situation. But the kingdom of heaven has to be expanding in here, in your heart, meditating in your heart to see it expand outside of you. I, I, I was reading this in Luke. Um, they won't have this scripture. It was in Luke 17. I was reading this a couple of days ago. And Jesus responds to the Jewish leaders asking him, when will the kingdom realm come? And he says this in Luke 17, verse 21. He says, God king, God's kingdom realm does not come simply by obeying principles or by waiting for signs. The kingdom of heaven is not discovered in one place or another. For God's kingdom realm is already expanding within some of you. And I think about the kingdom of heaven expanding within us so that we can begin to speak the kingdom of heaven outside of us. And this is where we need to be. What are the words of our mouth saying, I love Luke 6, 43 through 45? Very simple. A tree is known by its fruit. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure <laughs> of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and you guys we are created in the image of God which means he is a creator he created with his words we create with our words but the meditation of our heart matters because whatever is going on in here, negative, positive, whatever our belief systems are building in here will come out of our mouth and will create. If you wanna create something different, start with the meditation of your heart and then begin to speak the goodness of God so we can see it in the land of the living, amen? All right.
Where did I go? Last one. You guys ready? Everyone good? Okay. Well, actually, um, do I want the team up? Yes. Team, you can come hang with me, okay? Where's that? Where's my drummer? Where's your son? I'm just kidding. It's your son, because he's the other prophetic drummer, so you know, just bring him on. Um, so the last question we've got to ask ourselves is what pleases God? This is very simple. But there's a reason why this scripture is so powerful. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What needs to be pleasing in his sight? What pleases God? Well, obviously, we are hoping that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart please him. But also, scripture tells us in Hebrew 11, what pleases God? Faith pleases God. Well, what is faith? For some of us, maybe faith seems like this word where it's like, yeah, but what does that mean? In its simplest form, Faith is trust. God, I trust you. I trust you that even though what I see does not line up with what I asked for, what I thought life would look like, where I thought it would be in this season of my life, I trust you. And I surrender everything. And I have faith in you that you will do what you said you would do. Now, what happens when we begin to trust God? When we begin to trust God, what changes? The meditation of our heart. See, this is very simple yet powerful. I found myself even over this sabbatical. I mean, the conversations my husband and I have had have been so amazing. <laughs> and the time with God has been so amazing. And I just realized that I have really put my trust in a lot of other things besides God. I have really put my faith in a lot of other people besides God. And guess what? They all let me down. <laughs> And those things let me down because they're humans. It's not their job. It's God's job. And so no wonder the meditation of our heart becomes negative. No wonder we become bitter and unforgiving and angry because we are expecting people to do a job that they cannot do. <laughs> Read this simple book, Keep Your Love On. <laughs> And it was this whole thing, there's so much that got me in it, but it was Jesus risked everything to love us, knowing that we may not love him back. He risked it all, and he's not bitter or angry when we turn our back. He's not. But you know what? When we choose to turn from our ways and lean into him and trust him and forgive others for being human and hurting us and betraying us and doing things that humans do, but we go, God, even though I really did want to just go buy a house and a farm away from all humans <laughs> and never love another human again except my own children and my husband if they want to come with me. <laughs> but for real, we get so hurt, don't we? That we're just done. But over this time, we were both actually crying, going, I think we're going to do it. We're going to keep paying the price. We're going to keep laying it down because he loves us so much. And I'll stand before him one day. But I want to keep loving well, so the matters of my heart, they matter. Who do I trust? Therefore, what is the meditation of my heart? What am I speaking? What world am I creating? The matters of your heart. 
This is an everyday part of our lives, isn't it, guys? Because what is the key here? The one key, the one key to all of this is repentance. I realize that it's a daily thing to repent. I mean, yes, when we follow Jesus, what is repentance? It's being genuinely sorry for doing things our way and then turning from our way and following Jesus in his way and going, gosh, I'm sorry I was doing it that way. Will you forgive me? That's how our heart is constantly changing. It's like, I keep holding on and clinging to and trying to control things. God, I let go of control. I let go of fear. I turn from my way. I turn to you. Keep my heart soft, God. Forgive me as I repent. This is what we do on a daily basis. That's how we keep our hearts soft. That's how, oh gosh, in Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence that stalks at night. See, I'm not good at protecting myself with control and anger, but when I run into the presence of God, He covers me. He protects me. He sets guard over my heart. His tenderness and his mercy heal me and restore me and make me new. And I don't know where you are at. Maybe you've been following Jesus and this is just a word for you to go, oh my gosh, I need to pay attention because I'm cutting people's heads off and I'm hurting people that I love. Gosh, God, help me. Maybe there's some pain that you need to deal with that you've just been ignoring. He's like, let me into the mess. Let me into the mess of it all. I am a healer. That is what I do. I am the healer. But maybe for you, you're not following Jesus. You haven't turned from your ways and begun to follow him. Do you know what Jesus said? And I find this so amazing and so profound. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man or woman comes to the Father except through me. So, you know, we live in a world right now that is like, you know, (laughs) there are many ways to the Lord. Actually, there is not. There is one way, and it is through Jesus' way. It is through his truth. It is through his life. There are many people going, what is truth? You know, I don't really know. Like, whatever your truth is your truth. Like, go ahead and say, speak your own truth. No, no. No, no, there is one truth, and it is Jesus Christ. It is encompassed in him, the truth of who he is. Many people are looking for a way in life, trying to figure out their way, and Jesus is like, I am the way as well. He's like, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life you have been longing to live and been trying to find in many other things. But you have got to choose to let go of your own way, your own truth, and your own life. Repent of those turn and follow me in my way truth and life because you run straight into the arms of a father who created you and knit you together in your mother's womb and loves you more than anything and wants relationship with you and sacrificed it all whether you would turn to him or not that's love someone who literally dies for you whether you give your life back to him or not that's crazy but this morning If you wanna follow Jesus and receive his love when he died on the cross and rose again to give you eternal life, not just on this earth, but in the the eternity after we're done, after we breathe our last. I was gonna make up some root. Does anyone else do that where you're like, where am I going? I know exactly where I'm going. (laughs) So I'd love to pray for you right where you are, all over this place. If you just wanna close your eyes, bow your heads. If you want to follow Jesus, stop following your own way, 
your own truth, your own life, and follow him in his way, truth, and life into the arms of a loving father who is ready to recover and restore all that was broken and lost and damaged throughout your life. He is here. He loves you. Maybe you have turned your back on Jesus. You have walked away. Your heart has been broken through many circumstances. Well, if you want to go, I'm done with this. This isn't working. I started to cling to my own way, truth, and life again. Even though I know that God is good, I want to give my life to him, turn from my ways and follow him once again and give it all back to him and lay it down. I would love to pray for you right where you are. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you wanna follow Jesus in a moment, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand right where you're sitting. And as you raise your hand, you are declaring, I am surrendering my life. I want to follow you, Jesus. I wanna be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And then we are gonna pray a prayer together. And you are gonna repeat words after me so that out of the abundance of your heart, the belief in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, you will confess with your mouth that it is true. And as you pray this prayer, a miracle takes place. You receive the love of God and you become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And you follow Him, Christians, today. So all over this place, if that's you, you want to follow Jesus. You want to turn from your ways and follow him at the count of three, right where you are. I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Lift them up all over this place. Yep, here and here and here. Awesome. Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. So now we're going to pray that prayer. So repeat after me. And as you do, you are confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. So repeat after me, say, Father God, today I give my life to you. I turn from my ways and I turn to your way. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus Christ to live a perfect sinless life in my place and die on the cross in my place and rise again so that I could have eternal life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me in your love. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, come on, amen.